mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Peter chapter 2. And if you'll remember, last week we really started uh, in chapter 2. We covered the first three verses. But by way of review, um, let's just read it. But there were also false prophets among the people, verse 1, even as there will be false teachers among you. Listen, who follows false teachers? Well, look at the Old Testament. False Converts of God followed false prophets, Prophets, excuse me, new mouth, I'm working on it, running around the block with it, testing it out today, if we like it, we'll keep it, oh, never mind, false teachers in America, false teachers, see, this is the way we look at things myopically, we always look at America, the Bible's for the planet, for all of mankind, it's not just for America, so when you look at the Bible and all you think of is yourself or your country, you're not looking at the gospel right. It should be go everywhere. You can preach what you preach anywhere on the planet because it's still truth. Truth is always right, no matter where you're at. So if you can't preach it in Sudan, if you can't preach it in wherever, Ethiopia, then it's not a true gospel. You have to be able to preach it everywhere, universally, because God died for all. So false converts follow false teachers. How do we know that? Because if you're studying your Bible and you're reading your Bible, you're not going to follow a liar too long. You're going to go up and have some controversy and say, wait a minute, you're saying this and the Bible says this, and I want to believe God's word. See, that's why it's a personal relationship. That's why personally you're supposed to be studying. That's why personally you're reading and digging in and crying out to God and asking the Holy Spirit to wash and cleanse you. So how do they do this? Watch this. He tells us exactly what happens. What do they do? They bring, they secretly, by stealth, they bring in destructive heresies, destructive teachings. Where's my sound man? This is ringing. Even denying the Lord who bought them, some of them do, and bringing on themselves swift damnation. And many, what's that mean? Many? If you remember, we said wide is the gate to destruction and many follow it, but narrow is the path to life and few enter in, Matthew 7, 13 through 15. Many will follow their damnation or damnable ways. Why? Because, Oh, excuse me, that's not the why yet. Because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. In other words, when you actually are living for God, you're living the truth, you're being led by the Spirit of God and following truth, they're going to blaspheme you and say you're the one that's wrong. 
They're going to say, if you don't do certain things, then you are evil. They're going to revile you. How do they do it? Here's three. That's what I wanted to get to really quickly because we need to remember this. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. By merchandising, but notice that it's your desires. Listen, there's no deception except for self-deception. That's my belief personally. Somebody show me differently. But when you have the truth before you and you have the Spirit of God that's saying, turn in here, turn in here, I've paid for it, you've been rescued, you've been delivered, and then you see something else like Eve did and says, wait a minute. I think I'm going to be tempted. I think I'm going to go get that. I think I'm going to be self-deceived because I already know the truth. That's why you're not supposed to receive Jehovah Witnesses. You're not supposed to receive the Mormons when you come to your house. We have people that allow them to come in and think I can convert them. You're not supposed to receive false doctrine. Be very careful when you think you're real entertaining and you can convince them. Be very careful. Because something might be in your heart that really wants to hear something else that you could follow and keep living your life the way you're living it in the flesh and your self-will. The Bible warns us against this. By covetousness. It's, 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 it's because they're selling something. They're merchandising something that you want to hear. Now, other people will teach us differently that they're doing this. They're doing this and using you as a merchandising. But be careful. Because your desires follow false teachers if you're not careful. You'll follow a false church. People jump from church to church to church till they find a church that's preaching the way they want to live. Instead of coming boldly to the throne of grace and obtaining mercy and finding grace to help in time of need. Instead of understanding that the reason you come to church is to be equipped, to be changed, to be washed and cleansed. And you need the Bible. You need the Word of God. It's the only thing that has been sent to heal the land. And when you have a plumb line that's perfect, you need to compare your life to that word. And when you compare your life to somebody else, you'll keep moving from church to church to church and place to place. And you'll say, I'm okay because I'm not like them who bombed all the buildings on 9-11. And I'm not trying to kill anybody. And we have a different standard than perfection. We have a different standard than what God has placed before us. See, he wants perfection. And the only way to get that is to receive the free gift that Christ has given us, his righteousness. So they merchandise us, but they do it because, and they exploit us, is the word used in the New King James, uh, because we secretly get what we want in our own desires. That's how sin works. It's good for a season. But we're secretly satisfying something that's in us instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to give us what we need. For a long time, their judgment, their damnation has been idle and their destruction does not slumber. Listen to me. God has appointed a day. He's going to judge all men. God has appointed a day. He's going to judge angels. And that's what Peter's going to move into. Just do not count God's long suffering. If you're practicing sin right now, if you're saying, Pastor, you might believe that and the word might say that, but I can do what I want because God hasn't reached down and smacked me in the side of the head with a ball bat. Listen, he's appointed a day to deal with that. 
just because he's long-suffering and he loves you and he's saying, oh, please, don't think that God is winking at your sin, that God is winking at your life, that God is winking at false teachers. Don't think that. We Sometimes we get that in our brain like, well, they got to be right. They've got a big church. they got to be. No, God is testing your heart so that you'll know what's in your heart. And if you go follow false teachers, then falseness is in you. And you're really not seeking the truth. You want to enjoy your flesh. So he tests you. He leaves all of that out there. The great, the sea of temptation for your eyes to see. To see if you will obey the truth. Oh, he gives you all the power, all the strength, for all the struggle. He's preparing you today for tomorrow. The only proverb God ever gave me. Your struggles today will be your strengths for tomorrow. You pay attention to what you're struggling with right now in your life. And you ask God for wisdom on it, and it'll be a strength for tomorrow. Where you can counsel somebody else with it because you listen to the wisdom of God. But if you keep going on in your own self-will, how do you know that you've even front slid? Oh, I'm just a little backslid, and I'm just stumbling a little bit. Have you front slid? Are you just deceiving yourself? Now listen, this is very important because we're getting ready to see some examples, three examples of judgment. God never changes. God is going to judge sin. He's judged it at the cross, poured all of his wrath for all the sin of the world upon Jesus. And when he rose from the grave, that's the evidence that God accepted his perfect payment. That's the evidence. We know that he was the Messiah because he got up. Death couldn't hold him. His body was the sacrifice. His spirit was preaching to the captives in hell. Tartus. We're told that. Peter already told us that. Tartarus. We're going to see that word again today. Listen, it's all been paid for. All you got to do is receive it. But if you receive it, and the Holy Spirit comes in and seals you, there's going to be a change in your life. There's going to be evidence in your life. Not perfection instantly. We're not talking perfect instant. But you're not going to sin. You're not going to be sinless, but you will sin less. And you will deal with sin differently. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are those who mourn, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Mourn over grandma? Mourn over losing your job? No, mourn over your sin. Because when the Spirit of God comes in, it's going to convict you of sin and righteousness and judgment. There's going to be a day of judgment for sin committed in the body. Even for those who are true saints, our works are going to be judged. We're going to be rewarded for what we do after we come to Jesus. How do we come back into the house of God and say, I want to come back underneath your government, your authority, the name, that's what the name of Jesus means. His character, His nature, His will, His authority. Listen to me. How do we say, I'm coming back into your house, but I still don't want to obey you? That's original sin. Their destruction is not idle. You might think, oh, why, don't the, why isn't these evil people getting punished? They will. Coming soon. Coming soon to a neighborhood near you, 
believe me, it's coming. And once again, what is it, Ezekiel 33, 11, God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But when you look at it the other way, it says in Psalms 116, 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Because it's the finish line. Now we're eternity with him forever. The very thing that he gave his son for to redeem us back into his house. That's awesome. That's glorification with him forever. So let's look, verse 4. 2 Peter 2, 4. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to, con to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve, reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of their uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the examples. Thank you for the reminder of your character and your nature and your will. Thank you for clearly showing us biblical consistency because you're a consistent God. Even when we're faithless, you are faithful because you cannot deny yourself. Lord, help us to see what's going on on the planet. Help us to understand that judgment is coming. Wake us up. Give us a desire to draw near to you and to tell others. In Jesus' name, amen. I heard it said this week, and I liked it, so I've been sharing it. I don't know if you have ever heard it, but someone said, read the newspaper, or watch your local news, and you'll see what is happening, but read your Bible, and you'll know why. The problem is, is most Christians don't read their Bible. Most Christians, if you start to talk about prophecy or future events, or you talk about who God is, they bug out because they don't know the Word of God. You know, they say stuff like, God's got me, but then when you start talking about that God, they don't want to talk about Him. Because they have a form of godliness that denies the power thereof. In order to understand his character and his nature and his will and who he is, the unchanging God, we must read the Bible. 
You know, we get we raised up in a world full of what they call knowledge. It's pseudo knowledge. And, and we want to become doctors and lawyers or workers. And we go to college to, and we read their books so we can get a paycheck. But we don't even see that with our spiritual soul. We're ignoring the one book, the one revelation, the one thing that gives us the knowledge of what God is doing, what he's done, what he's going to do, who he is, how he redeems, who the redeemer is, how we can be pleasing to him by faith. And it's contained in these 66 books by 40 authors. Remember, he uses, Peter uses the word knowledge some 16 times. The first thing you have to acknowledge is epigenoskos. That's what Peter says in chapter 1 here. When you recognize that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, epi is alongside recognition. You see an apple tree, you notice it's got apples on it. You recognize that. When you recognize that and believe it in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you're saved. But then you have to go on and grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, Peter told us. Hosea says in 4.6 that my people perish for lack of knowledge. Lack of knowing what he's doing, who he is, how he saves See, we, talk, we walk around and we, we think that everything's different, but nothing has changed. The Old Testament saints were saved the same way you and I are, by faith, believing in God's provision. We've talked about this so many times. You know, God said, and then people obey or people decide not to obey. Your choice. Old Testament, when... He was going to kill them. He moved his camp outside and wasn't going to live with them because they broke all the commandments before Moses could get back down off the mount. What did he do? He brought law. That law was not to save them. It was to point out the fact that they couldn't keep the law and they needed a savior still. But even with the sacrificial system, they had to believe God, didn't they? Okay, this is what God's going to do now. He's doing a new thing right here just for you guys so they don't have to kill you. And what we're going to do is we're going to have this whole sacrificial system. And so we got these priests that we assigned, 3,000 of them. And when you bring an animal and you confess to God that you did sin, they're going to, you hold the animal, he'll slice its throat, the blood will run out, something dies for your sin. You have to believe to come. You can stay in your tent. But you have to believe by faith that when that blood runs out, you're saved. That your, your sins are forgiven. You can keep living for God. You still have to believe by faith. Is there anything that would tell you that when the blood's running down, you're like, yeah, that's blood running down. You know, we watched The Passion of the Christ, which is a Mel Gibson movie. I don't like it. It's wrong. It's, 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 not, it's not a good movie. So don't, I know there's a lot of people that just love that movie. It doesn't focus on the resurrection. It's, it's the stations of the cross. It's not good. Anyway, my point was this. We were watching it with some Jewish rabbi ladies, and at the end of the movie, there was a chance to comment, and one of them stood up and said, all I seen was a guy getting beaten for two hours. See, it's your perspective. So if you don't believe God and trust God by faith that the blood running out is going to cover a kofar of your sin, then you're never going to come and bring that animal to the priest. And it's the same thing in the New Testament. Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, came. He lived a perfect life. And he died for us and poured out his blood for us. And if you don't believe that, you can't be saved. 
And if you believe that and trust God, there's a constancy in that belief. There's not just a, I said a prayer and I'm done. You begin to search out and go, what was all that about? As one of the men used to come here and said, I believe in Jesus and I believe in God, but what in the world does barn animals have to do with this? Notice that? It sounds funny, but he was being inquisitive. He wanted to know what the Old Testament had to do with it. It was an example. It was a type. It was a pattern. It was pointing to the Messiah, the Messiah that would come and take away the sins of the world. But all they did was cover. Cover. That's all it was, a kofar. It was just a cover. And then the blood of Jesus uncovers them, and you need him now to save them. The law couldn't do it. Not unless you kept it perfectly. Anybody able to do that? Man, if you wish to get through one day by law not sinning, wouldn't that be amazing? Now do it 24 hours a day, seven days a week for all of your life. Got that figured out. You know how hard that would be? When you're born with a sin nature that automatically hates God and automatically is the enemy of God and automatically wants to do everything that God doesn't want to do. That's what your flesh is. That's what your self-will is. That's why the devil's out there with all these dangling carrots going, come here, get this education. Come here, get this job. Come here and live in your pride. Come here and do this. And then you go, yeah, I am pretty good, ain't I, in my self-will, in my pride. You're, you puff up in your covetousness of wanting to be somebody in a world that you look at, and they go, well, they're doing that, and they're doing that. I want to feel good about myself. Listen, there's no esteem except Christ's esteem. You keep chasing all of this stuff, you're chasing death. I don't care what it is. The only place to get an esteem, to get self-worth, to get salvation and freedom and rest is at the cross of Christ. When you die to self and you believe in what he's done for you. And he's consistent in it. He's consistent in it. Listen, listen. You might think that I said a prayer, and I'm preaching this to myself. You might think, well, I was taught all my life, if I just say a prayer, I'll be fine. It's not in the Bible. Believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus the Lord and God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, justification, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's in the Bible in Romans 10, 9, and 10. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 13. Are you calling upon the name of the Lord? His authority, his character, his nature, his will? Or are you just saying a prayer because you want fire insurance? See, this is the things that we should be going through in our minds. Because if our body dies physically, and we haven't went through those things in our mind, we appear at the white throne judgment and are cast into hell, eternal death. This is very important. Very important when we're told that false prophets and false teachers and, and, and religion is out there and there's a form of godliness that denies the power thereof. When we're told that, and just because we dress up and put on a suit and we, or, or whatever we put on and we go to church on Sunday does not make us saved. Whitewashed tombs, nice clothes, pretty smile, life in shambles. Well, that's a place to be is at church, but only if you're hearing truth. 
Not emotional charge. Not singing a bunch of songs and going, I feel good and walk out. And you have nothing to hang your unrighteousness on. See, we have to have the righteousness of Christ and know that that's where we stand. And now we're just being equipped to tell others about it. And we have to go out and practice it. Not continue to practice the unrighteousness. Because damnation is coming. Coming quicker than you think. God has been long-suffering. And when you look at the landscape of the world today, we know that it's coming really quick. Nobody knows the day or the hour. Nobody. Not even the son. Because in a Jewish marriage, the son wasn't told till the, fa the father told him when the banquet was ready, when the house was ready, when it was time to go get his bride. It wasn't under the son. It's control. Everything else is. And then he gives us these three examples. And I, I did all that preaching to get to this teaching that helps us understand that the unchanging God is still going to do what he's always done. For if God, or since God, did not spare the angels who sinned, what? Isn't that interesting? He didn't spare them. He didn't abstain. Listen, he didn't abstain from judging them. He wasn't lenient to them. Since God did not spare the angels. Now we're talking about demons here. This is talking about demons that rebelled in heaven. Um, they sinned. Angels have the capacity. They listened to the devil. And a third of them says a third of the stars in Revelation fell from heaven when Michael warred with them. Now, sin is, is the same word for you and I. To miss the mark. It's an archery term. To miss the mark and so not partake of the prize. To miss the mark. So these angels, even though they had fallen from heaven, we can talk about... Could be all that Peter's talking about, where they fell with the devil. Could be all he's talking about. But what did they do? They missed the mark. God had boundaries that he put them in, and they ran up out of them. God's got boundaries he put Adam and Eve in. What did they do? They listened to some other knowledge, some other voice, and they ran up out of them, willingly. That's missing the mark. God said, here's your boundaries. Here's where you're supposed to stay. Here's what you're supposed to be doing. He didn't spare the angels, but cast them down to Tartarus. That's the, um, deepest abyss of hell. He incarcerated them. He's guarding them until he pronounces judgment, eternal judgment one day. He delivered them to chains of darkness. To be reserved. Okay, he's keeping up with this. So he can keep his eyes upon them. They can't go anywhere. Because he's God. Think about it. it, it Satan is mighty, but God is almighty. The fallen angels are underneath the authority of God. They can't move. 
Remember on, uh, um, what was the island? Um, forget the island that Jesus comes upon the man that they couldn't keep chained. What is that island? Anybody know? Gadarenes. Bible student. Gadarenes. Island of Gadarenes. And you know, what's your name? Legion. For we are many. And what did they do instantly? They said, please don't cast us into the abyss. Because they knew Jesus had authority over them and could cast them into the abyss. Don't cast us into the abyss, but let us go into this swine. And he allowed them. And then the swine ran over the hill and you had canned ham or whatever it was, spam. Destroyed them. Listen. God has all authority. Satan is mighty, but God is almighty. Everything is under his authority, even the creation, everything. He speaks when they're in the boat and the water becomes like a glass in the middle of a storm. So these angels are cast down and they're reserved for the judgment. And I'm going to just go there, go to Genesis 6, and we won't read about Noah yet, but if you go to Genesis 6... Now, again, I could tell you that this is talking about just the fall of angels out of heaven when they rebelled with Satan. But I think it's more. I think it's more. But either way, some of them, that third of them falls. Some of them could have got so far outside of their boundaries that God instantly threw them into the abyss. And then others stayed on the planet in order to influence mankind. But it tells us in Genesis 6 this, 6-1. Now I come to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them. So we're populating the earth as God commanded. That the sons of God and sons of God are almost always angels in the Bible. The sons of God. Now, some people say this was just the two different. Uh, it's Seth and it's the two different uh, 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 Cain being cast out. And now these, these guys come together and it starts to corrupt everything. Listen, there's plenty of thoughts and I don't know the perfection of it. But I know that there's demons everywhere. And the angels are here on the planet even today. And that demons, they, they, they can enter in and possess a body. If you're not serving God, they can't, they can't take possession of you. The word echo, they can't take possession of you and you become a voice for the devil. If Jesus is living in your heart, because they have to overthrow the strong man and he's the strongest man ever. So you can't be possessed if you know Jesus, but if you don't know tr Jesus truly, you can be possessed by a demon and then a demon can begin to use you to influence others like he did with the false prophets and the false teachers. And that's what's going on on the planet. His messengers, the devil can't do anything of original creation. So what he does is follow what Jesus and God is doing, who sent messengers to do his work. And so then the devil starts to send messengers, and he sends them to Hollywood, and he sends them places to make sure the whole culture is following the same indoctrination of false teaching. And then he installs them in the pulpits of the churches, and everybody feels real good, but it's really covetousness because their own desire desires really want their flesh tickled they want their ears tickled they want to feel good about what they're doing and they don't realize that it's a form of godliness that denies the power thereof it denies 
the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Word of God. It denies truth. See, we was talking the other day, and I'm like, I'm like, what do you expect? Did you know that the uh, uh, American Medical Association raised the age of adolescence to, anybody got a guess, not you. Anybody got a guess of what the age of adolescence is when it ends in America? I said, not you. It's 27. Adolescence, are you kidding me, at 27? I mean, I'm just like flabbergasted, really. I mean, I'm thinking it's in your teens. When I was growing up, it was. But what's my point? When you take a bunch of people, you put them in school, and you teach them that there is no truth, that everything is fluid, there's no truth. What are they going to stand on? How are they going to grow up? They don't have any solid substance to stand on. All they have is this fake indoctrination of pseudo-knowledge that follows some dream, and they go, uh, I'm going to college, and I don't even want to be this. This is my parents' idea, and they're just adolescents. They don't have to do their laundry, and things happen, and they need coloring books. They need something to get a timeout and a safe space. Are you kidding me? The same age kids stormed Normandy's beach. The same age kids were killed for our freedoms. And what do we do? We raise up a bunch of sissies wearing tight pants that can't even pick anything up. Because they'll rip their pants. I'm sorry. I'm not being mean. It's what the devil wanted to do. It's what he did in the Bible. Listen to me. Listen to me. When God brought them out of Egypt and they went through the wilderness. And we're going to talk about it sometime. But then they go. He says, go in and kill every man, woman, and child. Kill everything. Why? Because his long suffering was over for the Amorites and the Hittites and the Canaanites. And he said, judgment has come upon them now. But don't forget that he gave them over 400 years while the children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt to repent. And they went in and they didn't even finish killing them all off before they decided to start making their little playgrounds and having fun. But guess what? They did kill a bunch of them off. And they did take the cities and they did have gardens already planted and houses already ready for them. They did receive a lot of the milk and honey, but then they got lazy. And then they started raising children whose hands did not know war because everything was already there. So what did God do? He started raising up the Philistines. He raised up battles. See, we get mad when there's a battle, but God's allowing it because he wants you to fight and not to become lazy. He wants you to know that this is a battleground, not a playground. He wants you to know this is not our home. So he'll send somebody to attack you. He'll send something to be a problem. He'll give you a thorn in the flesh. And Christians come in and go, man, I've been fighting the devil all week. No, you've been fighting God. You're not even reading the word of God. You're not even trying to go out and tell people about Jesus. All you're doing is chasing the American dream. And, and, and you're soft. That's me too. So I'm not, I'm not picking on you guys. I'm just telling you what the word of God says. This is what we do. We get lulled to sleep. So I hope you're awake now that I've slandered you and been all mean and beat the sheep and whatever other words you want to say. But listen to me. It's because of these angels that have been sent out to deceive the elect if it were possible. It's the spirit of antichrist. There's always the spirit of antichrist instead of Christ. There's always other knowledge to follow instead of the knowledge of God. There's always other wisdom. 
Did we do Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 last week? Trust in the Lord. Batak, it's the same word for faith. Have faith in the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. It's the word for knowledge and wisdom. Lean not on your own knowledge and wisdom, but in all of your ways do what? King James, acknowledge God. Acknowledge His knowledge, what He's saying, what He's doing, His authority, His government. And what will He do? Make your path straight. He will lead you. He will guide you. He's a good shepherd. He loves us. But we acknowledge everybody else. Except God. But listen, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just telling you, wake up. He said in Ephesians 4, he says, wake and Christ will give you light. He'll shine light into that darkness. You don't have to be reserved to change the darkness like these angels are. We don't have to come underneath judgment. Christ took all of our judgment. All we have to do is rest and be free and come back into the Father's house and tell people, hey, I'm in the Father's house. I've been set free. That's great stuff. Are you free today? Do you have rest? Do you have peace? Can you go out and not worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear? Takes care of the birds of the field. Close the flowers. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, His justification, and all these other things will be added to you. But the devil gets us focused on his knowledge, his ways, his will. Let's go out and, and focus towards getting this job and this money and this food. And then if I got any time left over, I'll focus on God. That's upside down. That's following earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom. That's pseudo-teaching. Where are we at anyway? Okay, fallen angels, Genesis 6, verse 3. And the Lord said, this is the Lord talking, Listen, that's the commentary we have. We know the Lord talks then, right? My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Now, most people see that and they'll go, oh, so they're going to live 120 years? No. In 120 years, judgment is coming. We'll see that in the next text. Noah built a boat for 120 years before the rains begin to fall upon the earth. That's what he's talking about. In 120 years, I'm going to judge, he's saying right here. That's what that means. There were giants, really, on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God, there it is again, came into the daughters of men and bore children to them, those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Okay? And I would contend and tell you that those same demons are here again today. Not the ones that have been reserved for the death, but the same ones that were there then are here today. And they're mighty men of the earth, merchants, who are deceiving many with their pharmacy, their sorcery. And they're back again, and God has allowed it. See, make, make no mistake, they're not doing this on their own. They're doing it to test those who say they serve God, to test the rest of the earth, the planet. They're here on purpose because God allowed them to come and do what they're doing, to see who you would serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord our God because there's no other, word, no other place to go. We've come to know that he has the words of eternal life. And his truth stands no matter what's going on on the planet. His truth is still real. 
Now listen to me. I believe those demons have been allowed to come back. They've been allowed to do the same thing. They're, 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 they're coaching everything that's going on on the landscape right now. And they're using people. Some of them are actively worshiping the devil. Some of them may not be. They're just being used to fulfill what the devil wants to do with his government. The new world order that's coming where the Antichrist will sit on it and rule it. That's what's going on right now. It's being allowed. Notice this. Because if you're a student of the Bible, you know that Luke tells us that the days of Noah and the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, that's what it's going to be like when all this happens. Well, in order, Peter's telling us first the demons, first the fallen angels, then days like Noah and days like Sodom and Gomorrah. He tells us the order of what's going to happen. Because it's the demons that create and come and convince you to follow their knowledge and be disobedient to God's knowledge. And get you caught up with covetousness, following your own desires, instead of being dead to self and led by the Spirit of God. Hope that wasn't muddy. Verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that Every intent of the thoughts of his heart were evil, or was only evil continually. Listen, that's man. Left to himself, that's all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then they begin to practice it because somebody else came in and helped them practice it and not follow God. And that's the same reason we are told in the New Testament um, that the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit. And it is a discerner, a judge of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's why we have to get into the word and say, Lord, is this my flesh or is this you? Discern for me, judge for me, tell me the truth that I'm standing on. Am I following the falseness or am I following you? Is this real? Is there evidence that I have entered into your kingdom and that I'm continuing with a constancy in faith in my life. Because these demons, listen to me, they're powerful. They know what they're doing. They're convincing. And they can lead you to follow a false teaching like that if you're not really having a relationship with God. And God wants you to come he says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh, really? Isn't that what Noah's name means? Rest. See, that's the next text that we're given as an example. Let me keep reading. Noah's name means rest. And this is a type of Christ because Christ gives us rest. He is our Sabbath rest today. It was all pointing for. It's all used as examples so that the ungodly would know whether they're ungodly. And the godly would know whether they were godly. What are you doing in your life? Because Christ set us free to follow godliness and righteousness. Not to continue in ungodliness and think we were okay. Because if our practices and our life is, well I said a prayer and now I get to live in the world and do what I want. That's false teaching. That's from false prophets. It doesn't line up with the character of God. Stumbling in sin, falling into sin, being convicted of sin, stopping and mourning over it, those are righteousness. Saying, I'm okay because I'm already, I went to church this week, that's unrighteousness. Saying, I can do anything I want because I said that prayer and I believe in Jesus. You know how many people believe in Jesus? Well, the demons do and they tremble. 
They say, please don't judge us before the time. Please don't cast us into the abyss. Listen, I in no way, if you believe in Jesus Christ perfectly and you're living for him and you're reading the word of God and you're going and finding out what your gifts, talents, and abilities are and you're entered into his house to do what he's doing is saving souls, the only ministry that the church has ever been given is the ministry of reconciliation of souls. How do we do it? Preach the gospel. Preach truth because nothing else will save them. You feed their belly, they get fat, they will not come back to church. Sorry, that's feeding the flesh. They'll think they're fine. I don't have any needs. I must be fine. God must love me. Really? Really? That's your, that's your gospel? Where does it line up in the Bible? They killed all the prophets. They beat the prophets. The prophets had no place to go. Jesus had no place to lay his head. Biblically, if you're living for Jesus, people are going to be mad at you. Biblically, if you're living for Jesus, there's going to be real attacks on your life. I'm not telling you to go out there and say, look, I'm living for Jesus. They're chasing me. That's not what my point is. My point is, is preach the gospel. It's the only thing, the word of God, that's going to change anybody's life ever. And we all fall short of it. But thanks to God and his spirit, we can have rest as he teaches us how to follow him. Verse 6 of 6, and the Lord was sorry, ooh, he relented, I think, King James, that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. See, you can grieve the Spirit of God. You can quench the Spirit of God. You can lie to the Spirit of God. You can insult the Spirit of God. These are all things that Christians do all the time, but we should be endeavoring to confess our sin so that he'll forgive us. And that we can keep that flow of his spirit alive in our lives and be led by him so we're not led away by various temptations and lust, covetousness. Oh, he said that about me. I'm done. I'm leaving that church. Good. Read your Bible. I don't care what church you go to. Read your Bible and surrender to God. I'm not mad at nobody. I don't hate nothing unless God hates it. We all need Jesus. Come on. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. See, that's who, I mean, listen, everything that we do is before the eyes of the Lord. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. Keep them watch on the evil and the good, Proverbs tells us. And we want his favor. That means he's, his grace is upon us. He's looking down and blessing what we're doing. And Noah, what did he do? He found grace. Rest found grace. And the only, I'll tell you, New Testament, if you have the grace of God, you'll find rest. If you don't have any rest for your soul, you might need to go back to the cross and say, have I received God's riches at Christ's expense? That's what grace is. All of God's riches, his inheritance, and Christ died so you could get it. And that brings rest for your soul. I don't know. How come I thought I could do eight verses? <sighs> okay, verse 9. This is the genealogy, the generations of rest, of Noah. Rest was a just man. Noah was a just man. Why? Because he was justified by God because he believed God. But no, here's what I wanted to get you to. Perfect in his generations. 
Do you see that? Do you see that? What most Bible people believe is that that means that the demons had not entered into Noah's generations. The fallen angels had entered into everybody else's generations, but he had found rest with God. He was justified by God. He was living for God, looking to God's provision for salvation, because that's the only way anybody's ever saved. Looking by faith to God and believing that God is going to come through with a Redeemer. That's what they were told. First time in Genesis 3.15. So his generations were perfect. They were pure. They were not contaminated. Why? Because Noah walked with God. That's how he lived. That's what it says. How do you walk by with God? By faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, Hebrews tells us. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth was also, excuse me, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. But not Noah. And I can't keep going because we'd run out of time, and I've got a couple other places to go. Listen to me. This is an example. You guys know about the deluge. You know about the flood. You know that for 120 years, Noah built an ark. And we're seeing that he's a preacher of righteousness, we're going to see in the New Testament. He preached righteousness the whole time. What's righteousness? Right living before God. Justification to God. By looking forward to what God is going to do in the future, you can trust him and have rest. And so he built the boat for 120 years. While everybody else looked at him and said he was a nut, they scoffed, even those that went to church or even those that were worshiping, even those on the planet at that time that were going to wherever they were doing to worship and bringing sacrifice, they began to scoff at Noah because he was building a boat. You know why? Never rained before. Never rained before. The Bible testifies that the earth was, was watered by the four rivers. So it never rained, and there's no water around, and he's building this great big boat. If you've been to the Ark Encounter, you know how big the boat was. Huge. Absolutely, insanely huge. And so as he's building, they're all scoffing. And then God closed him in. One door on the boat, one door on the Ark, and he said, come into the Ark to me. I mean, if you read this text, I mean, because most people think that Noah took the animals on the boat two by two, and there was two of every kind, right? No, not true. Seven of every clean kind, two of every unclean kind. I mean, why seven? Because the first thing Noah's going to do when the door opens is sacrifice one of them. And then there'll be three pairs of two again. Anyway, read the text. Don't listen to somebody's teaching on it or some coloring book or some false baby story. As one of the comedians says, is when you put Noah's Ark on your baby's wall and it's your really cute animals, listen, listen, I, I don't care if you've done it. It leads to deception. They think it's a joke. They think it's a cartoon. If you're going to put it on their wall, put dead people on the rocks. Put people trying to claw their way into the boat 
because judgment has come. Listen, we're celebrating yesterday, 20 years from 9-11. I was talking to my grandbaby on the way here. People jumped out of how many stories up because they didn't want the fire to burn the body. The pain was so bad that they jumped out of a building knowing it was certain death to jump out. It was quicker than being on fire. Think about when God brought judgment. Listen, death of the wicked, God has no pleasure in. But one day he will bring judgment. That's not the fear I live by. That's not the fear I live by. I've already given my life to Christ. I live in rest. I live in peace knowing that all of that judgment was put upon my Savior. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Justified. Just as if we never sinned is what that means. Righteousness means right living before God. So that we would learn how to walk rightly in God's house, in the garden with Him daily, if you will, without having to worry about being punished when we stumble or fail. Because the punishment has been taken. See, that releases us from the death. It releases us from the power of sin. So now we can actually go out and rest that God's not waiting to crack us in the head. But then there's always that flesh where we can go out and do what we want because God's not waiting to crack us in the head. God forbid that we would live that way and think it's okay. But we know what happened. The floodwaters came, rained 40 days and 40 nights. 40 is the number of judgment. But what did the people do when the first drops of rain started coming? Think about that for a moment. They said, what is this? they never seen it before. We have the same thing going on right now. That's what the Bible tells us. He's given us these examples of judgment to know that judgment is coming. But guess what? God has allowed this to start again. When he separated in chapter 10, the Tower of Babel, Babylon... When he separated the tongues and cast them out, that was the grace of God so that he didn't have to kill everybody right then once again because they were trying to create their own government with their own knowledge, with their own education system that was against God because it was run by the devil, the Antichrist. And so we get to this time and now we're at the end of the age. Now we're at the end of the age. Guarantee. Can't tell you the date or the hour. But I can tell you we're there. When we have such deception on the planet, lying is the norm. Lying is the norm. Doesn't matter what you're doing, you just lie to people. Just lie. Just lie to them and keep moving. You'll be okay. That's what we're practicing in our government. All governments. So, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people. Why is eight so important? Eight is the number of new beginnings. Eight is the number of new beginnings. God was beginning a new thing. He's going to tell them to go and repopulate the earth. The first thing he does when they get off that boat, you know what the first thing is? Anybody know? Institutes the death penalty. That's what the first thing he does. And people today, oh, we shouldn't have the death penalty. See, when you nip it in the bud and you deal with it, 
People think twice before they do what you think they're going to do. They deal with their flesh a little bit better. When you, the first thing he institutes, really, he says, go be fruitful and multiply. Then he institutes the death penalty. That's pretty powerful because what happened in the first time when he, Cain and Abel. Cain slew Abel. He knew that that's what man's heart was going to do. They're murderers following the devil from the beginning because the devil was a murderer from the beginning. It's not a surprise that we have so much evil. It's a surprise that there's so much evil in the church. We should be a light on a hill. But we're following so close because we're following false teaching, false prophets. We're not building a relationship with God. We think we're free to do anything we want instead of set free to follow Jesus. Set free to be in his house as servants. Oh, it's, it's good that we have the grace of God. But we sure have a lot of cheap grace. Listen, he didn't spare the ancient world. There's people out there now that are false teachers that says one day since there's, since there's no gates on heaven at the New Jerusalem, what is it, chapter 20 of Revelation? There's no gates there, so that means eventually everybody gets in. Really? What'd you do with the rest of the Bible? What'd you do with the rest of the Bible? There's no gates because there's no enemy. You don't need a gate if the enemy's been vanquished and cast into hell. You don't turn it into what fits the flesh through covetousness. See, everybody wants to think there's a purgatory. Everybody wants to think God's such a loving God. Love, 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 love. And we're all going to get in. No. No pleasure in the death of the wicked. But one day there will be judgment. These are the examples here that he's given us to say, listen, I'm long-suffering, but eventually I have to judge. Or I wouldn't be a loving God to allow people to get away with that. Eight people. Oh, a preacher, he heralded righteousness. Well, how could he herald righteousness? Didn't that just come through Jesus? Isn't that just a New Testament thing? See what I mean? This is the way we think. Like righteousness is a word that only come. God already had a right way. He already had a right standard. He's always had his mark that you had to hit. And Noah was preaching that. He was telling the people. He was standing firm and, and he's by himself. He's by himself really. Oh yeah, his kids are with him. But we're only told that Noah was the preacher of righteousness. The kids were honoring their father and obeying. I would assume <coughs> they learned a lot and they are righteous also, but I don't know that. It's really, it's really interesting when you start watching it and reading it and looking at it because we're getting ready to be told that Lot was righteous. How many people read Lot's story and thought, boy, he's a righteous dude? Kill him now, Abraham, and you'll be done with him. I'm serious. How many reads Lot and he's living in Sodom and Gomorrah, sitting at the gates, telling people what to do? You think, man, this dude at best is a carnal Christian. He's going to die. I'm sorry. So Noah and his children, his family that have rest and they have the grace of God and they're perfect in their generations only because of God has protected them or gave them that perfection because they believe by faith and look forward to the Messiah. What are they? They're taken out before the judgment. 
We call it biblical consistency. I know people have a problem with it, but I believe God never changes. So before he brings judgment on sin, damnation on people for their sin, he always takes his children out first. And that's the same thing you see with Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. In fact, you see Abraham, it's chapter 19, for the sake of time, I'll just paraphrase for you. Here comes God, a couple angels. They come walking up in the heat of the day, and Abraham recognizes who it is. So he, oh, 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 if I found favor in your sight, and he goes and he kills the fatted calf, and he makes them a meal. He washes their feet. He does everything that you would do for hospitality for anybody in that day. And they sit down, and they have a meal. And then they tell, he says, hmm. The angels go to check out Sodom and Gomorrah, and God says, should I tell Abraham what I'm getting ready to do? He is my friend. Should I keep this secret from him? So he tells Abraham, listen, the testimony of Sodom and Gomorrah has come up before me, and I'm paraphrasing, and um, I'm going to go destroy it. You know what Abraham begins to do? Kill him! I, I, lots down there. Just kill them all. No, he says he begins to pray and plead with God not to kill the righteous with the unrighteous. And he says first, Lord, if there's 50 righteous down there, will the God of all the earth kill the just with the unjust? And God says, no, you know what? If there's 50 righteous, I won't kill them. He doesn't say he won't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and judge it because God was coming to judge them. And he says, if there's 40. And he says, bear with me just a little longer. If there's 30, Lord, Lord. See, he knows there's only one for sure. And he's living wrong. His nephew, right? Or his nephew, Lot. So he says, and he goes all the way down. He goes, Lord, one more time I speak. Forgive me if there's only 10. And he said, I will not destroy if there's 10. And he goes down. The angels, I, actually we don't see uh, Christ go down, which is a Christophany. He's talking to Christ. It's called a Christophany or a theophany. God with us. It's a pre-incarnate Christ. The two angels go down, and they, and they know what they're doing. They're testing the hearts of the people there. And they go to the city square, which is where you would go and see if somebody would come out and do hospitality and give you a place to stay, which was great in their culture. They go to the city fountain, and Lot's like, hey. And he runs out there, and he goes, no, don't stay here. And they go, oh, we'll just stay here. And he goes, no, don't stay here. Come to my house. And he gets them to his house. And they're sitting down eating, and the men of the city rise up, and they come beating on the door because they want to know them carnally. See, see, God is finding out that this, it's true. Nobody is rejecting it. See, it's so important that we understand that if, if anybody was actually standing against it, there would be a chance for morality. That's why when the restrainer is taken out, is that Second Thessalonians 2? That when the church is taken out, there's nobody going to be preaching righteousness anymore. What happened with Noah? He's the only preacher of righteousness. He was taken out before God brought judgment. Same thing happens when Lot is led out with his wife and two daughters. He goes to his son-in-laws and he goes, listen, come on, I just heard from God. And he says he's getting ready to rain fire and brimstone. Never, never destroy the earth with a flood. Fire and brimstone. I was asked to my wife, I always forget the word cremation. People always ask pastors, is it okay to get cremated? God just cremated two whole cities. And he's going to raise them up again for the judgment day. He can do that. Now, it just so happens, I like to see 
my loved one and like to be able to say goodbye to them and like to go through all of that. I like to have them there. But God's capable of raising up anybody. So if you want to answer to that question, still whatever's not done by faith is sin. So do it by faith. Um, but notice he leads them out first. He goes to his, his son-in-laws and they're like, <laughs> and they mock him. Now, some people have said because his witness was so terrible in the way that he lived, I just believe that there was no other righteous. They were scoffers. It wasn't nothing to do with See, the church is still preaching today. It's not the church's fault that judgment's coming. Things are falling into place. It's heart of men that's evil continually is why the earth is going to be judged. Now, there's preachers on TV blaming the church for all the problems. Well, if we would a hundred years ago, if we would have began all that, it's not the church's fault. They have a testimony of Jesus Christ. And they choose self-deception. I'm not going to believe that. Now, is the church supposed to be involved and privileged to go out and take the Great Commission? Yes. And we should. But it's not our fault that somebody's going to go to hell. They chose to go to hell. They chose to reject this gift. They chose to be self-deceived. They chose to follow false prophets and false teachers. Listen to me. It's a choice. If it, wouldn't, if it wasn't, then God would have created people just to go to hell. And he did not. It's not his will that any would perish. He died for whomsoever. He, he bids everyone to come to him. So it's an act of your free will. He even allowed the angels to choose. They were in his presence. They seen almighty God and worshipped him and they were deceived by the devil. And cast out of heaven. Listen to me. Sodom and Gomorrah, what happens? He can't get anybody else to go and the angels have to go get a hold of him. Why do you think we have a rapture? Well, one, we'd be late if he said, meet me on that hill at one o'clock. But two, but two, we're still trying to fulfill the Great Commission, and he's got to pull us out. The angels had to come in and grab a hold of him and said, judgment is coming. Because God appointed a time, and God's going to do every single thing that he said he's going to do. On that second, he's going to do it. He's not going to delay. So they had to come and get him and bring him out. And while they're going out with his two daughters and his wife, what does his wife do? He told them not to turn around. His wife's heart was in the city. His wife's heart was not in the kingdom of God. His wife's heart was not looking forward. His wife looked backward at what she was missing. Destruction, damnation, hellfire. His wife didn't believe. And so she turned into a pillar of salt. And then if you follow that the rest of the way, after Lot had pleaded to go to Zor or small or little, whatever it means, to this city because he was afraid to go to the hill country. Then we have two of the biggest enemies that come out of that were his daughters because he had raised them in Sodom and Gomorrah. Because he had allowed them to have no foundation. Everything was fluid. He raised them in Sodom and Gomorrah. They thought it was okay to get their dad drunk and sleep with them and have children. Because they weren't raised over there where Abraham was at. Living for God. Choosing the inheritance of God. 
They went down to Sodom and Gomorrah. They lived in the culture. They lived in the city. Oh, I'm righteous Lot. But I trained my children in the ways of the world and allowed them to follow everything the world was doing. So they grew up thinking it was okay to sleep with me. And now you have the Midianites and the Edomites that become, is that right? Become, I was looking at my wife. She knows the Bible better than I do. So it becomes uh, the two arch enemies that attack Israel and, and God's people all their life. Potentially are still doing it right now through the Muslim nations. We know that those Muslim nations are the, son of, the sons of Keturah, Abraham and Keturah, his second wife. But they're also enemies from birth, from other nations that have been cursed. But they can all come to salvation in Christ. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Guaranteed. That's not a made-up scripture. That's in the Old Testament, quoted in the New Testament. We've already covered that. Listen to me. These are examples of what not to do. Why? Eight people, preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood to deluge on the world of ungodly. He did not bring it in on the godly. Notice it all came in on top of the ungodly. Because he'd already taken the godly out. The, God, the godly were gone. They weren't there anymore. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes. From dust you are and from dust you shall go. Condemn them to destruction, damnation. Making them what? An example. An example for what? To those who afterward, were afterward, would live ungodly. Practice ungodliness. Reject the gospel. And delivered righteous Lot. See, there's the testimony. It's pretty amazing. But when you look at his life, you go, he wasn't righteous. Want to bet? See, there's no perfect Christian. If you're covered in the blood, it's not permission to sin. But, you know, you're going to be real surprised when you get to heaven. And you're going to see people up there that you never thought got to heaven. But you're also going to be wandering around going, where in the world is Greg at? Oh, I got a mansion on the other side, so don't worry. I'm up there. No, but you'll see people that you, you won't see people that you think are supposed to be there because they had a television ministry and they were big and they had a healing ministry. They're not going to be there. But there'll be a bunch of people up there that in their heart, they repented. And they were drawing near to God. They weren't perfect in their Christianity. But their heart had turned toward home. And when they came to their senses like the prodigal son, the father ran to them. The father put his robe upon them and the signet ring upon them. And welcomed him back in his house. It's just going to be interesting. I don't think you'll care. I don't think you'll be looking. I don't think you'll be seeing. Uh, because he'll wipe away everything eventually. So how are you living? Are you following the example? Paul says the same thing over in... Um, First Corinthians... I'm looking for my note. 9... 1 Corinthians 10, I should be done, but I'm not. Listen, I, I know sometimes I go, or all the time I go long, 
But the word of God is what we need for our soul, especially in these days as we see the day approaching. We should be desiring to be in fellowship more. We should be looking to make sure that we're not deceived. We should be crying out to our neighbors and making sure they're saved. And, and you know what we worry about? Well, they might feel insulted if I say something to them about Jesus. Yeah, I'll be persecuted. I'm just going to go to uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 10. I, I wanted to read 9.24. You can read that later about running a race to receive a crown. And that don't be playing games, but be disciplined. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud in the desert. It kept them from getting sunburned. And passed through the sea, Red Sea. What, what happened there, Greg? All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. See, they identified with what Moses was saying. Let's go. Moses means one called out. They were called out, and they were following people that were called out from the world. They were not living in the world. They were following Moses, and they identified. That's how they were baptized. All ate the same spiritual food. Remember the manna in the desert, bread, Jesus. They ate the quail. All drank the same spiritual drink. Remember the rock. Moses doesn't get to go in. These are the examples. Listen to me. This is all there. They were all drinking from the same spirit. The New Testament says in Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the children of God. It's that simple. Who is leading your life? Is it the spirit of God using the word of God because God is your government, God's your family, God's your home because you have our citizenship in heaven? They all drank from that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was... Jesus Christ. It was the Christ, the Mashiach of God. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. Remember he said to his son, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Hear him. Now listen to this. They're all out there. They're all out there eating it. They're all out there drinking it. And, and they said, but I, I'm not well pleased with most of them for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Listen, Hebrews 11.6 Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's why I wanted to read 9.24 through the end. It's talking about diligence. It's talking about discipline. It's talking about running a race to win and not just laying around. There's actually things you need to do to keep from listening to them false teachers. Because if you feed your flesh, it's easier to listen to the false teacher. Remember the, 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 the old man that used to come down from the hills and he'd fight his pit bulls? Not politically correct. He'd fight pit bulls every Friday night in town. And every Friday night he'd go home counting his money because he'd win. And they go, what in the world? How do you know which dog is going to win every Friday night? And he said, real simple thing. It's the one I feed the most during the week. It's the stronger one. If you're feeding your flesh all the time, what is gonna, you're going to follow a false teacher because your flesh is on the throne. But if you're feeding your spirit all the time, because we're no longer flesh and blood, we are spirits in a body. So you have to feed your spirit. And part of feeding your spirit is not just going, I'm going to sit at home 24 hours a day and read my Bible. No, it's out doing the work of the ministry. It's out doing what God has called you to do. It's saying, Holy Spirit, what do I say to them? How do I deal with this? It's, it, it, it's, it's praying continually in life. It's not just sitting down, but it is learning the word of God. Anyway, he wasn't well pleased with most of them, and they were scattered. Now, these things became examples to the intent, there's that word again, 
that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. This is that covetousness where we're actually desiring something, and then that false teacher tells us it's okay to do it. So therefore, thus we follow it, thinking, because that fits my flesh. And do not become idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. That's a euphemism for having sexual orgies. Um, go back and read it. Go back and read it in Exodus 32. Uh, Nor let us commit sexual morality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Now, what he's doing is giving a whole list of examples of different places in the Bible while they were in the wilderness. Again, these are the examples for us so that we would not live that way and come underneath the same judgment, thinking that we're okay following false teachers. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. What happened when that happened? Remember that in Numbers? They continued to grumble and complain even after the quail, and God brought snakes to bite them. And what did he say? He said, take a bronze snake and put it on a pole and hold it up. And everybody who looks at that bronze snake, I think it's called it Nethuser or something later, will not die. It's a picture of sin and looking at God's provision Whatever God says, you believe it by faith, and then you have life. And Jesus said, just as they lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, if I, the Son of Man, be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. In other words, he was God's provision. And God's always got these examples, as long as it's his provision, his word, what he says, and you trust and believe it and follow it, then he does what he's going to do because he's faithful. I know. Your seats are tired. Verse 10. Nor complain as some of them complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. That's it right there. We're at the end of the age. But it's written for us. You can't jettison it. It's the foundation. It gives everything that we need to know about New Testament theology hidden in the Old Testament if you start to dig at the foundation, which is Christ. If you start to look at it and examine it and look at the wise master builder who built it, you're going to find that those were things that he always judged and he always will judge because his heart is still the same. But he poured all that judgment upon Christ. Why? So that you and I would not have to receive his wrath. And so that you and I could run this race without fear of retribution or punishment to follow. Not to go live anywhere and do anything, but to follow. So important. That word means to be in the way with. So we're in the way with God. Now, I'll get you to this because I needed to get there. Verse 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stand. I'm okay. I said a prayer. Histomai. That's the word stand that's used in Ephesians 6. It's a place we're supposed to be, but you're supposed to examine yourself. Take heed, lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common demand. Well, this is more than I could handle. This is more than anybody else goes through. Well, I don't care what the Word of God says. This is really serious with me. No, no, no. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common demand. And with the temptation, God is faithful who will make a way of escape. Listen to this. is a good verse to, to, to put to memory. But with the temptation, will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear up under it. That's what he's doing in your life right now. 
He wants you to learn to bear up under it, to have endurance, to run the race with endurance, and that no matter what the temptation is, to take the thought captive and to choose Jesus as he equips you. Let's finish and close and get out of here before my stew burns in my crock pot at home. Surely I jest. Where are we at? Second Peter chapter 2. See the examples of those who would live ungodly afterward, but he delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked, vexed. Listen, do you see what's going on on our planet? Lying to us, not just the government, but the CDC. People have faith in Fauci instead of God. They're trusting Fauci. They're trusting terrorists who run the WHO. They're trusting in one world order. They're trusting in everything that the knowledge of this world brings instead of God's word. When he's the one created, he wrote it all down. He's told us what was going to come at the end of the age. He told us how he's going to come and take the chosen home. We're not appointed to wrath. And yet we look and watch what is temporal and we believe it instead of what God says. I'm telling you, he says that they're going to deceive us through pharmacy. That doesn't take much. Okay, well, then why is the number one subject today pharmacy? Oh, I, I don't know. I, oh, what a coinky-dinky. Uh, he said that it'd be the great men of the earth, like the pharmacies that's bought all the news agencies, and now they're pumping this propaganda into us. Oh, why would that happen? Oh, our world, oh, people are good, Greg. People are good deep down. These people can't all be mean. It's the end of the age. It's the spirit of Antichrist. Are you going to follow Christ? I'm not looking at those people that much anymore. I'm looking at Christ. More and more as I see the day approaching. Because if I get on TV and pursue that and watch that and study that, I'd be freaking out. Who would not freak out? Who would not believe them when every news agency is saying, this is what you do. This is how you do it. Number one drug they're giving to everybody is remdesivir for COVID. Who owns a patent? China. Who started the fire? China. I'm not afraid to say it. My videos don't go anywhere anyway. AI gets them and shuts them down every day. I'm not, I mean, listen, you need, to, my people perish for lack of knowledge. It's scary. It's scary. People don't want to lose their livelihood. People don't want to lose their jobs. But we need to tell the truth. We need to shout it from the rooftops. And don't panic if somebody you know died and they knew Jesus, you're going to see him real soon. I said that to a guy on a roof one time and he didn't like, he scared him. I think he thought I was going to throw him off the roof. You're going to go see Jesus real soon. Ah! I tell you, I grew up, but I still do that stuff, so I'm sorry. Listen, does this vex you? I mean, we're in the days of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. Does it vex you when you see this? They're mutilating our kids and saying that gender's fluid. And just because, since when? They can't even drink till they're 21, but they can get a sex change? Come on. You can't counsel them not to act that way, or you'll go to jail, you'll lose your kids? 
this is serious stuff. If it doesn't vex your soul to watch what's going on on TV, if it doesn't vex your soul to see what's happening in America, listen, I don't care if the Supreme Court changes it. God already said it. I'm telling you right now, don't, don't let them change what is illegal and make it legal and then you think it's okay when God already said it was wrong. Because he's our government, not them. We already told that they're going to do this, that lawlessness will abound. Ungodliness will abound is what that means. Same thing as lawlessness. You don't follow God's law. That's lawlessness. They're not talking about, hey, you're speeding. Everybody's speeding. That's lawlessness. That's the worldly law. We're down here as spirits following godly morality. This is about morality. I'd encourage you not to speed. It's dangerous. But I'm talking about the morality that the Holy Spirit wants to wash us and cleanse us and make us like Christ. It vexes your soul when you see some of this stuff. vexes my soul when I see people dying that didn't need to die, but... God is sovereign. When somebody loses their breath, it's done, they're done. It was their turn to go. No matter how evil man is, God's still in control of all of that. Are you guys still with me? Did I get to two hours yet? These are all examples. Read your Bible. God delivered God delivered, really? Righteous Lot, he rescued him. He delivered him. That's what salvation is. This is actually used one time over in Romans eleven six, and it's got a capital letter when it calls Jesus the deliverer. Same word, Jesus is the deliverer. And the same word is used here. Righteous Lot was delivered, saved from the judgment of God, rescued. This same word. And since he did that, he took Noah out. He took Lot and his family out. And Lot was tormented. Look at this. He was dwelling among them and tormented. That's the word vexed again. His righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. You ever been on the job and they just start cussing up a storm and talking? And, and they didn't say, your mama, G, your mama uh, D-A-M. They said, they said G-D. It's just a natural thing to say, to blaspheme God. I actually did do that once. Before I was even saved, the guy kept saying GD, and I said, you say it again, I'm going to throw you off the roof. So, and I was like, I was real stupid. Now I'm going to have to fight this guy because I'm, I'm threatening him. You ever do that? You just rush in where, where idiots go, and there you are. Sorry. So, um, yeah, that was real dumb. He was vexed because of hearing, not just, not just seeing, but hearing what people say sometimes. I listen to some of these guys that are false teachers, and it vexes me. Uh, it drives me crazy. It drives my wife more crazy when I start yelling at the TV. But Then the Lord knows. Look at this. This is what God wants you to know in his sovereignty. He knows. There's one of the 16 times he uses this. This is Aida because God sees. He's, he's able to do it. He's, he's capable. He understands. He's sovereign. How to deliver. How to save the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust. That's what he did with those angels. They're reserved. He's holding them someplace. The unjust under punishment for the day of judgment 
and especially, chiefly, is in King James, chiefly, this is first, those who walk according to the flesh. Listen to me. This is, this is the ones that are going to be reserved for judgment. If you're walking according to the flesh, if you're living according to your own self-will, that's what that means, according to the flesh, not, not saying like Jesus did, not my will, but thy will be done, but you're doing what you want to do. You're doing it according to your knowledge, according to your wisdom, according to what the world has taught you instead of what God has said in the word of God, according to your flesh. Again, Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. Not according to your flesh. That's the word sarks. Sounds bad, doesn't it? In the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. What? Where did that come from? Guess what it is in the King James? Government. That's the word right there. Despise government. But it's referring to not government on the earth, the government of God. What are we talking about? God judging, and then we despise his authority. If we walk in our own will, we're really saying, I despise your authority. I'm not listening to your government. But really, there's, there's two governments. There's the government of the Antichrist, and there's the government of God. And that's what's rising right now. God is allowing it in his sovereignty for the one world government to rise that the Antichrist will set over. And they're conditioning your heart, if you're listening to them, to follow what their answer is, what their knowledge is, what their cure is, how they're going to save you from death. Wait a minute. Isn't that what Jesus did? Didn't he defeat death? Oh, yeah, he did. When he rose from the grave, he defeated death. Nobody can save you from God. Nobody can save you from death. God is the one that can kill the, 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 uh, the body and cast the soul into hell. Mankind can't do that. Be careful where you get your knowledge and your truth from. Because the world says there's only, oh, I mean, excuse me, God says there's two genders. The world says it's fluid. There's all kinds of genders. That right there should be enough to say, you know what? I don't need to know anything else you got to say. If you think there's more than two genders, then talk to the hand. Because I'm not listening. They don't have anything else they can say to me. I'm serious. If you'll stand in my face and go, hey, there's a whole bunch of genders. Quit being insulted. Don't you care about fluidity? No, doesn't line up with the Word of God. I'm going to argue with you to the sheep. Well, no, because the Lord's bomb person is not quarrelsome, so I'm not going to argue with you. Listen, they despise authority. You want to know who's going to be held for? Listen, you have to be under authority. And in God's kingdom, it's His court, it's His, it's His authority. That's what He set down in the garden, and they despised it. They rejected it. His Word is His authority. Everybody has to be underneath authority, and then God sets authority he puts, he puts the firmament in family even, authority in family, authority in society. Everything's under authority. It comes from God. If you despise what God is doing, then you're despising God. It would, I, would, I would say it would behoove you to learn what God's authority is, what his government is doing. Because the Antichrist is just mocking and perverting and missing and causing you to follow what? covetousness or your own desires would desire to follow that's what we got to understand this is what peter's warning us about in his swan song that we are studying they are presumptuous what does that mean i don't know what that means because i'm not educated let's look presumptuous i'm going to close seriously oh they're daring and audacious 
They're evil, self-willed, self-pleasing, arrogant, instead of doing the will of God. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, God's authority, God's angels, God's people. Over in Jude, I don't know if you guys have ever read it, I think it's Jude 9, that even Michael, the archangel, did not raise a railing rebuke against Satan when they quarreled over the body of Moses. When Moses died instead of going into the promised land, God had a place to bury him at, and they got in a fight because the devil wanted his body. And, and Michael didn't go, hey, dude, you got kicked out of heaven. No, he said, the Lord rebuke you. And a lot of these false teachers, they act like they have dominion over the devil. You don't have dominion over the devil. The devil is mighty. He will destroy you. He's been defeated, though, and he's a liar. You want to say, the Lord rebuke you, because it's only the Lord's strength, the Lord's power that you're going to stand in. If you try to do it in your own strength, he will devour you. Anyway, they speak evil of dignitaries. The word doxa. Speak evil of things that are sacred or that God put in order. Whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. Listen, understand what's going on on the planet. God is getting ready to take uh, his church home. Just as he removed, I call it, or it's called biblical consistency. Before he judges, he always removes the righteous, his children, gets them out of the street first. The rapture of the church is, I believe, getting ready to happen. Uh, I do understand that there's a bunch of other opinions. I don't believe they line up with biblical consistency, um, but that's my opinion. I believe the scriptures prove it out, and I believe that they will come and put their hands on us and get us out first. Harpazo, the rapture of the church, the great snatching away before God pours out his wrath upon the ungodly who refused to listen to the simple truth of his word. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for being an unchanging God that always does what he always says he's going to do. And he always um, is long-suffering and merciful and gracious and has provided salvation, deliverance from the sin nature. Lord, may we seek you out and desire a love relationship with you because of this great love that you've bestowed upon us. Give us a desire for your word. Give us a desire, Lord, to go out and preach righteousness as Noah did. As we build our house and build our ark and we know that we are resting in you, give us a desire, Lord, until you close us in and you take us home. Give us a desire to tell others that you're coming soon. Lord, we know they're going to scoff. We know they're going to do lots of things, but they still need to hear your truth. Pour out your spirit upon us. Equip us to tell others. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I